This is a Triple J podcast. Hey, Dee here with a pretty huge chat in this episode about pregnancy, gender and abortion. And I think that no matter who you are listening, you'll hopefully get something important out of this chat because if you're having sex or you're going to one day, pregnancy and the chance of getting pregnant or getting someone else pregnant is something that can happen or could happen. It's literally the risk you take when you're having sex. And around the world right now, the right to terminate a pregnancy has been taken away for so many people. It's been a pretty, like I'm sure you've seen, it's been a very intense couple of years politically when it comes to conversations uh, about abortion. And someone who's felt the impact of that is Madison Griffiths. If you haven't heard of Maddie, she's a writer and artist and producer from NAM Melbourne. She's known for her work on Vice, on SBS and The Guardian. And uh, really exciting because she's just written her first book called Tissue. And Tissue is, I guess like the only way I can describe it, a really raw and vulnerable reflection about her experience getting pregnant and making the decision to terminate the pregnancy during lockdown in 2021. Her expectations of how she thought she would feel about having an abortion and then I guess how she actually felt uh, and trying to navigate that and trying to come to terms with the traumatic experience that she had and the PTSD that she experienced for so long after her abortion. It was all happening as well around the political changes that were happening in the US with the Roe v. Wade stuff and, yeah, for so many people, that was really distressing and for her, having just gone through an abortion, that was really distressing to experience that in that moment that was happening uh, and those conversations have been having have been having had since politically. In this chat, uh, Maddie spoke really vulnerably about the guilt that you feel after going through an abortion and how it's really hard to decipher whether that guilt has been placed on you through society um, with a lot of the conversations that happen around uh, abortion and terminating pregnancies and, and also like the guilt that she felt over how she should be feeling, the expectation of not having such a strong reaction to terminating a pregnancy. And yeah, we talk a lot about obviously what's happening politically. Um, we spoke about what it's like to go through that experience with a partner, some of the gendered expectation when it comes to abortion. There's so much that we unpack in this chat and I really hope that you get something out of it. Um, but yeah, just a heads up that we do talk uh, a lot about, you know, abortion, gendered stuff. Uh, I think we even talk about sexual assault in here. So definitely if anything becomes too overwhelming or triggering for you to listen to, totally fine. If you need to tap out, come back to this conversation. We'll also put some resources for support services in our show notes if you need as well. Yeah, Maddie, I really loved how you wrote about the expectation of how you think that you'll feel when you have an abortion in comparison to the reality of actually having one. I think about this a lot. I think about, because I've never had one, and I think about, like, we'll get into this about the idea of, like, people who just go and get it and they're like, oh, yeah, it's overdone. Whatever. I think that, like, sometimes I would be really, like, just matter of fact and logical about it. But I think that it's a very different experience and this is what you write about when you actually go through it. Let's talk about how you felt about it before. Do you relate to that? Like, how did you think about abortion before you actually went through having one? Oh, completely that. Like, everything you just said, absolutely. 
I always had, I actually recall conversations I had with friends years ago where I'm mortified thinking back about those conversations where I was so pro-choice in air quotes that I thought, because, but I was, I was really just minimizing, I think, minimizing what can, not always is, but what can be a really complex and potentially traumatic time. I think there's a line in the book where I say, you know, at best it's an inconvenience and at worst it's a trauma. But I was really careful about even writing about it through that like trauma lens. But I was more just curious, I think, because when I, before having an abortion, yeah, like I was saying, I, I felt so resolved in the idea conceptually. I mean, there's nothing I disagree with, with abortion. It's not like I was like, oh my God, how am I going to like morally make sense of this? I understood it all. I felt it. I was a hundred percent going to get it. Even when I found out I was pregnant, that was, it was like, yeah, okay, cool. Abortion incoming sort of thing. But I... That made it almost more difficult when I started feeling a little bit prickly about it. I was like, hang on, where does this fit into my feminist pipeline? Where is that? It's so complex. Yeah, especially with like, I don't know, maybe expectations of yourself. You're like, no, I'm really strong. And like, you know, I hold up this guard and this wall and like these things won't affect me. And it's like not going to, you know. Absolutely. I think in modern like feminism and just contemporary society as well, there is that when you think of even like the freaking Libra ads and it's very much like you can do anything bleeding and it's like go to the Olympics on your period. <laughs> no, seriously, we had a conversation recently. It was a whole episode about the cycle and how like in your luteal phase you get real, you can get really depressed and anxious and like you are sensitive and you need to kind of stay in more and there sh- it should kind of be considered when you think of an average cycle. And I was conflicted about that because I was like, I hate the sexist dialogue around you can't do a job like men can. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then it's like, no, maybe we actually need that to be considered that mm-hmm. at certain points we are going to be more sensitive and crampy and in pain. And every, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think there's also uh, when you think about rest and when you think about even like an emotional response to something like feeling upset or feeling particularly sensitive about something that's always been coded as as a feminine response. Whereas I'd love to imagine a world where even, you know, for, for whatever situation that men can be like, you're allowed to actually sit down and have a little bit of a cry. You know? <laughs> There's still that standard of productivity being super masculine. And I think even in that kind of feminist frontier, that movement to be a strong woman, I felt like I had to cop it on the chin, which I think is such a masculine approach. What if I just sit with this pregnancy for what it was and let it wash over me and then maybe open up these conversations where I'm really, really secure in my choice, but it was a shitty choice to have to make, if that makes sense. Yeah, there wasn't any win-win. No. If you're comfortable about talking about it, um, (laughs) this happened during lockdown, right, and you were with your partner at the time. What happened? Yeah. Um, So I had just started dating someone at the time, and when I say dating someone I think I, it's we weren't exclusive like I was just having a bit of fun and and we got to know each other and um and then suddenly there was a there was a pregnancy and in this kind of chasm of lockdown where Dan Dan put forward the the intimate partner clause I was like I guess we are we're together and we're doing this and and we really we did get really close during that process and he was very supportive but i think the nature of a locked you know experiencing anything um 
like this, uh, especially something like an abortion that really does force you to straddle with your life, your choices, um, your future, you know, uh, going through that in a lockdown where there was nothing else and it was just like this orbit of abortion and having to actually have that abortion at home, which home was everything. Home was where you had parties, where you fucked, where you, you know, cried, where you shat, where you did all of it. Home was everything. And I'm like, oh, now I'm bringing an abortion into this space. Like, it's not like I can go out and have a drink after this with the girls. Oh, awful scenes. Yes. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I think that was, it, it, it affected in a lot of ways. I think retrospect has showed me that, I don't think the trauma would have set in as much as it did if I wasn't forced to sit with it, forced to sit with it. And mm-hmm. it just shows you, and on that micro level, like I'm shrouded, I, I've got so much privilege in my positionality in the world, especially in abortion politics, but it just goes to show you that context can really change how someone feels about these decisions. For sure. For sure. Um, so you wrote the glum bareness I felt as I awoke the following morning was spontaneous, unplanned. It clashed with what I imagined I'd feel, revealing something true about me I didn't even know. That despite doing what was right, my abortion managed to clasp its wild and unruly fingers around my heart and did what I hoped it wouldn't, what I was sure it couldn't. This is kind of what we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah. So in what ways did it impact you? Yeah, I, I you know, it forced me... And I think anyone that's read the book will pick up on this. I think it really forced me to consider my womanhood, like to consider all of the ways I've brushed up against sexism and just just like just the world at large, really. I think that's what it was. And it also forced me to reckon with the fact that in a, in a non-sexist world, I really don't think that abortion would ever be considered a trauma. Um, I don't even know if it would even be called abortion. Like there's so many things, there's so many variables here. But yeah, it was it was just that uh, the abortion opened the door for me to really look at every other aspect of my life that had rubbed up against misogyny and think about what impact that has had on me and why. Yeah, I feel like it's the same with um, sexual assault. I recently mm-hmm. had a conversation with Chanel Contos about consent and her book, but we spoke about that. F- that was so good. So, <laughs> she's incredible. Um, but yeah, we spoke about the fact that like sometimes it's so hard to even call it rape. And I think that comes with the trauma, like maybe, like you said, the trauma is amplified. 100%. Because. Like even, mm, well, even in that conversation I heard that you had, um, I loved the, the mentions she had about the, the idea we have of what a violation looks like or what a rape looks like or even what love looks like, what mm. trust and love looks like. And yeah, it, it's it for this to not be what I thought it looked like was its own complex thing. Well, guilt was a huge one for you too, which I think is something that happens and is a common experience for so many people who have terminated a pregnancy. Um, You wrote, as I killed over five days before my abortion, cradling my stomach to alleviate the dizziness that lived there now, I felt swamped by two distinct veins of guilt. The guilt that had married itself to my pregnancy, proof that I had committed a wrong against myself, my future, and then the guilt of seeking an abortion. Mm -hmm. What ways did you feel guilty and how did you navigate that, like, the duality of the guilt, you know, because yeah. there's no win-win. It's no win-win. It's and guilt for women. My God, <laughs> that's just my response. Guilt for women. Yeah. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. that's we understand. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I really wanted to consider guilt because 
traditionally, I mean, historically speaking, guilt has actually been something that's been used by the pro-life agenda, well, the anti-abortion agenda. They will actually very publicly and, and almost very like in the, in the creepiest, gentlest way will say that they care about women seeking um, terminating a pregnancy because they don't want them to experience the guilt of an abortion. Now they're the ones injecting guilt into that. So it's it's like they're gaslighting us into into thinking that the guilt is ours to hold. But l- women have long been rehearsed in holding that sort of guilt, you know, and I think I made a we were speaking a little bit about this off air day where I was talking about my insistence of showing my behavior as a woman in her mid to late 20s who has you know, is just living and doing her thing. And I don't want to feel guilty about how I got to that pregnancy. And I don't want to feel guilty about how I got to my life after that pregnancy. But you are straddling all of those different guilts that have been prescribed to you. And I, and I also, I think um, there was this other elusive guilt that I was really wanting to avoid. And that was the guilt of being a bad mother. Like there's nothing... I, I, I would hate that. So for me, it was like, okay, there's these three guilts. Which one feels most manageable right now? But also, which one's actually mine? Or which one has society decided ought to be mine? I can tell that you've, you know, obviously, like we've been saying in lockdown, you've really thought about this. Mm -hmm. Because I wouldn't even have expected the depth of layers that comes underneath the guilt. It's true. It's like, how much am I carrying of what I've been told I should carry? Mm -hmm. And I feel like some part of me, if I went through that experience, but I guess, you know, you don't know until you know, yeah. would, would like, but what if I, ha- like, you know, what if there is a spiritual something and I, you know oh, what I God, mean? Completely. Some of their message would seep through and Absolutely. I would be like, what if there actually is another life and mm-hmm. I've done that, you know? And also it's not like you're just pregnant and you just know this about yourself. You feel pregnant. And I think that's the other thing is that, um, and I spoke about that a little bit, you know, when you think about these milestones of pregnancy and, and the way you're meant to feel during a pregnancy. I mean, I know I know people that have gone through pregnancies that absolutely adore their children and had the most atrocious time during their pregnancy. So, but they're not allowed to speak about that. They feel guilty about that. That's got nothing to do with their parenting style. That's a chemical physiological response. So in saying that, there's also friends I know who have had terminations and did not necessarily feel guilty about the termination but the chemical nature of the way the pregnancy felt they felt some affinity to whatever it was that was there and any having these conversations just allows that guilt to be held by more people and not just women (laughs) a hundred percent um We'll talk about uh, the political climate around abortion soon because that's really important. But I think to reclaim, like you've been saying, the normalcy around abortion, a lot of people uh, try and downplay the procedure, kind of what we're saying at the start, as something that doesn't have to have an emotional impact. It's kind of like going to the dentist, you're getting your teeth cleaned. Like Mm -hmm. you spoke about a TikToker who kind of does that. They just post about it so easily, so flippantly um, in such a super like chill way. What's your thoughts around that and how did that impact you when you were going through yours? Totally. I th- oh, it's so funny because my thoughts changed and they felt, you know, that feeling when like someone pisses you off, but they haven't really done anything wrong. And you're like, what is it about them that strikes something in me? that pisses me off and it's not them. So when I first saw this um, very, very sweet, very, you know, Gen Z gorgeous gal on TikTok and she'd had an abortion and she was queer and she had a girlfriend and she literally had um, the words abortion check with like two little twinkly emojis on her page and she's in the clinic. And at first I'm like, 
a part of me is like slay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then the other part of me was like, why wasn't it easy for me? Or, or you don't understand the gravity of this if you've just been able to go in and out or you're just 19, you don't get it. Now, that's so unfair for me to think that. But the nature of how the anti-abortion movement and just conservative society at large forces you to pit yourself against each other where I can't look at her and feel connected to her even though we are both pro-choice, even though we, are, we have both experienced determination and there's no right way to experience a termination. But I think that flippancy is something that I, with age and with maturity and with understanding about that complexity and that nuance, I think we can do without that flippancy whilst also not trying to shroud abortion as this trauma either. Like that's just my own feel about it. But I know so many people that were a bit like, whatever. And that's so fine. It's, it's really... It's it's one of those things. There's a multiplicity of truths. It's like everything. Really. They could all exist at the same time. Uh-huh. And the more, I guess, people share their experiences and how they feel about it, the differences on the spectrum, whether 100%. that is like, yeah, take the pill, whatever, don't give a fuck, to like, I'm now taking three months leave. 100%. Like, they're all so valid, but it's more about just, like, hearing them, right? It's about, like, having them out in the landscape for people to totally reflect and think about. It's been so funny because some of the responses I've had from people that I know personally, but also just people that have met me throughout this have been like, my friend had this and didn't feel anything. And then that's the end of the conversation. They'll say that to you. Yeah. And I just think, what is the point of that? What is the point of you saying that? Because that's awesome for your friend, but I'm sitting here with an 80,000 word book behind me. (laughs) And you're making me feel like a little weirdo. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if you had anything to say about that, my friend felt nothing. And I'm like, okay. I'm crazy. It's so invalidating. <laughs> it is invalidating. And I think, you know, and good on them. Good on them for that. But also it's just like, why, again, why say that? It's it's interesting. It, it, it's, it's this subliminal policing of how a woman's meant to feel about what her body does and how her body reacts with the world. And I might never get over this or, or I might, who knows? But it's, it's, it's the same. It's, yeah, it's a funny one. A lot of people who are maybe in relationships with guys who are having an abortion or have had one can sometimes feel lonely, isolated in that experience, unsupported. That's (laughs) really random. That's so weird. (laughs) Sorry. How did you feel feel about it with your partner? It was a funny one. It was was a really – I mean, I wrote about this recently in The Guardian because – I really felt like our relationship started at an abortion, which is also just a really funny way for a relationship to start in a lot of ways. Mainly because you know, when we first started seeing, sleeping with each other, it was we weren't wanting to start a family, you know. In no world was that what we were doing. So when we're having to grapple with what that would potentially look like in the future uh, with someone you barely know, um, who you've matched with on Tinder four weeks prior, you're like, oh my God, this is wild. But also it gives me a good insight into what sort of person you are. I've spoken to a lot of women who have been left completely in the dark with this. Um, when I say a lot, I mean primarily. I, I, I don't think I've spoken to many women who have felt supported. And the more conversations I've had with my boyfriend about this has been incredibly revealing. For starters, he had no male friends to speak to about this. Now, statistically speaking, that's wild. When you think about the the mechanics of a pregnancy, there are very likely more 
men walking around that have gotten women pregnant than there are women that have had terminations. So just in terms of structurally, that's, that is, it's a conversation that men are not having, that men need to be having. Um, there is the labor of witnessing. I mean, there's a lot of men that I know that have contributed to unwanted pregnancies that weren't there to, to physically and emotionally process it. And I think that's a real shame because being able to physically see it, my boyfriend says that to me often, regularly, that if he hadn't had been able to physically be present, he probably wouldn't have been able to really get his head around it. And understand how traumatic it is, even just like emotionally, but physically, like you were, like you, like, you know, I don't think people realize the pain. The pain. And the blood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's I love that you were like, look, literally. Oh my God. Look. I, that one, there's this one, the listeners at home, there's this one grotesque scene in uh, in tissue that uh, a few reviewers have really gotten stuck on. Like, oh my God, did she actually wipe her pussy all over the toilet bowl? And was like, look what you did. I did. I did. I did do that. I can't tell you why I did that. Things were bad. Um, but even even when he, he actually, it was so funny when I was writing the book, he hadn't realized that that was... What you had done. What he I had done. That, is, that was what happened. So when he read that, he was like, oh my God, as if you did that to me. And then that started this, then I was a bit, my head was up. I was a bit like, I did what to you? Then, But that started again, another conversation with him about what women carry when they carry, oh, I mean, that sounds so, that's loaded. <laughs> <laughs> when they carry the, the weight of an abortion, you yeah. know, what women, what women have to actually deal with. And also like something we mentioned before off air was just like, the actual labour of having a female reproductive system, um, like like these men, a lot of these people don't have never even encountered menstrual blood, yet alone cramps, cramps. pain. Yeah, like, like this you is talk just... about vaginismus in the book, recurrent UTIs, which is something that I experience. It's like it's constant. It's constant, mm-hmm. all the appointments, the therapy. the Literally, yeah. where it's like when I think about what male support looks like in abortion, People often just see it as a financial thing, you know, like, yeah. did he pay for half? It's like, pay for half from where? Well, when I came out of the womb and half of my, you know, like, pay for half of my psychology appointments, pay for me to, like, I don't know, pay for my Uber so I'm not walking home alone at night. Like, it's, it's again, it's, it's so, ah, oh, but I really, I really want men to start having these conversations. I actually met this gorgeous man at my book launch in Melbourne who got me to sign his book and had supported his girlfriend through her termination and was just the biggest G. And I was like, see, like, oh, if I see some men coming out and saying, maybe even just like literally like, I've contributed to an abortion. Imagine the sort of discourse that would come out from that, you know? Well, that's what has happened. It's yeah. Two people involved 100 percent. it's it's really not a women's issue in the way that people it's a people's issue. it's a people's issue and speaking of you do speak about queer experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i yeah i really love that you included that in tissue because i think that there is a lot of like silencing yeah around it definitely Definitely. Is that, yeah, what did you find with doing research into this? I was, I, I'm going to be honest, I was quite nervous about that because I knew that I, again, I knew abortion wasn't binary in the sense of there's the pro-choice camp and the pro-life camp, uh, camp, but I also knew it wasn't binary in the sense that not all women have abortions and not all people with vaginas are women. Now, what does it look like when people that don't identify as cisgender have to encounter the medical space and have to encounter this process while straddling with other quote unquote wounds like body dysmorphia like uh, sorry body dysphoria like all of these other additional elements um so it was really important to actually include the voices of people that have different genders to me that have encountered abortion or not necessarily even abortion but just have encountered 
quote unquote women's health. One thing that um, I thought was really compelling and, and what I kind of wanted my through line for that essay to to be was that what abortion represents and what queerness represents is this real straying of the narratives of gender and sexuality that we've been taught are natural, normal and sacred. And I think for when, when a woman decides that she's not going to continue her pregnancy or when a person decides that they are not going to be, you know, they're not going to identify with the, the sector they're assigned at birth or whatever, those, those symbols of, they're quite queer gestures in a lot of ways to um, disrupt the system at place in terms of your individual experience and how you rub up against gender. So yeah, abortion for me felt like a very queer issue and also politically, which we we will get into the climate, there was a lot of stuff happening with transphobia around that time. You said the link between Roe v. Wade. Oh. The same time. I really want to talk about this. So obviously this has been happening for a couple of years now over in the US mainly, but there's no way that that hasn't been impacting us all over here. 2021 overturn, Roe v. Wade, how did that impact you when you had your abortion, your experience? Yeah, I remember I remember waking up and seeing that on my um on my Twitter feed and just this this feeling sunk in of it was the same feeling I had actually when I when I did terminate the pregnancy because I terminated my pregnancy the same week that Texas um, released the six week and I was over six weeks. So I remember looking at that and looking at my boyfriend and being like, oh my God, in another world we're criminals, you know, in another world we are this, yeah, we would not be safe. When I saw what was happening in America, I think women everywhere really felt that huge pang of just, oh my God. And and again, I, and I spoke about this of like, there's this feeling as you get older and as you progress through time and, you know, throughout my 20s, I've seen the Me Too movement rise. I started writing about violence before the Me Too movement. So I noticed that shift. I've noticed how things have changed. And you get into this false sense of, okay, we're getting somewhere. We're moving forward. Like history progresses. And then when history just pulls the carpet out from underneath you, you're like, hang on a second. This is... It doesn't actually always work out like that, you know. I think we are protected here in Australia in a lot of ways that that people in America aren't. But that I worry about the cultural impacts of legitimising a belief that really not the majority of people actually feel. It's not like the majority of people in in America are anti-abortion. It's Trump's last revenge through the Supreme Court. And same here. Not many people are anti-abortion. But, and we've seen it through divisive conversations that are being, you know, happening right now. When those ideas are platformed and legitimised, that's when people crawl out of the woodworks and that's when it gets dangerous. Yeah, or is what do, what is the media mainly highlighting? All right, so obviously some time has passed mm-hmm. since you initially had the abortion. You've now written this book. How do you feel about it? You know, there's very different emotions that you experience, obviously, straight after, months after. Where are you at now? When I finished the book, I I remember sending my editor my last my 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 um yeah my last essay, and I felt really sad because I felt it was interesting. I started writing the book really soon after my abortion, and I think in a lot of ways I was keeping it. I, I was I was I was sort of living in that space, and I was keeping it alive in a weird way. I mean, the experience. I mean, I, I was sort of you know giving myself the space to sit with it. And when it was done, it was done. And I was kind of like, 
Oh my god! And it it really it it did make me reflect a lot about the um the experience of being pregnant and the experience of of of, of when people you know pe- female people encounter the way their body speaks for them, and then it's done. And then you just have to sort of continue on. And so I did feel this weird sadness and like there wasn't necessarily a way for me to kind of celebrate what, you know, to to, to um, feel proud of what happened. And then I turned around and I had this freaking book. So then I was like, I feel great. <laughs> and then my, uh, my best mate, who's an absolute, G, Lucinda Price. Oh, we love love Frooms. She sent me the most hilarious bouquet of flowers the day the book came out for um for Mum and Bub celebrating your your release. (laughs) This is your baby. It's my baby. And you know what? I lent into that and now I absolutely feel so invincible. It's it's safe abortion access day today. And I'm just absolutely loving it. I'm feeling so powerful, so strong. I don't feel any sadness. I don't feel any guilt. Well, I'm so, so glad to hear that because <laughs> seriously, like it is such a beautiful book. Thank you. And I could tell that you are someone who was just like born to be a writer. Like it's so beautifully written. Oh. You have such a way with words. And I can tell that this is something that you've been like working on for a long time. So I can imagine now, like we were saying at the start, to be called an author. Yeah. And about something so powerful and impactful as well. 100%. I, I feel like a lot of people who want to be writers or are writers or want to write a book, it's like, I don't really have anything to say. Mm-hmm. or I don't, You know, but it's just like this is so brilliant that this exists now. Thank you. you. Yes. Talk about your abortions. Everyone needs to just talk about their abortions. Oh. (laughs) Obsessed with you, Maddie. Um, Appreciate you. I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I thought we'd come here and it'd be like a really, you know, somber. somber. Mm. (laughs) And that's fine. Yeah. That's so fine. Um, But no, this has just been, I love you so much, your energy and like the way that you spoke about this has just been so incredible. So thank you so much. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Isn't she great? Not only is she just such an incredible speaker, like I could talk to her for so long, but also just an incredible writer. So definitely if you haven't, get your hands on tissue. You can follow Madison as well on Instagram at Madison R. Griffiths, G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H-S. And yeah, let us know if you have any thoughts about this episode. You can DM us on our Instagram at Triple J The Hookup and we'll catch you next time. Bye.